Hello and welcome to Farmland. On this week's programme, we will discuss the rising cost and availability of fertiliser with Managing Director of Grassland Agro, Liam Wolfe. And we will also discuss the future for the dairy industry with President of the Irish Creamery Milk Suppliers Association, Pat McCormick. But first, I'm joined in studio now with President of the Irish Farmers Association, Tim Cullinan, to talk about the current challenges facing the farming sector. I'm joined now by the President of the Irish Farmers Association in studio, Tim Cullinan. Thank you for joining us, Tim. I suppose the first thing I'm going to ask you, Tim, obviously is the most uh, obvious one, given that you're a pig farmer yourself. The sector is obviously in trouble at the moment. Pig farmers around the country are really struggling. Um, obviously, the, the, the price of pig and the fact that pig is back, pigs are backing up on farms now. There has been, obviously, a support in the form of €7 million Euro from the Department of Agriculture, which has opened applications now. How severely are pig farmers hurting at the minute? Yeah, um, I suppose how severe are pig or severely are pig farmers hurting? Oh, very good question. I suppose just to say, first of all, I'm involved in the sector myself for over 40 years now, and I've never seen a situation as bad as we have it on the ground at the moment. You know, that's how serious it is. And uh, I suppose to look at it, you're right. You mentioned that the, the minister has come forward with a package of seven million euros, and you know, we have to put this in context. And you know, uh, I always describe that as a start. Or you know, but seven million euros is not going to do anything to alleviate the pressure that uh, pig farmers or pig producers are going through at the moment. And um, you know, if we look at it, we were dealing with, you know, as you rightly said as well, that pigs were backing up on farms and the price they were receiving you know, just wasn't covering the cost of the feed. And, um, but now the situation has moved on in the last week you know, since uh, the war started with, between Russia and the Ukraine. You know, we're looking at markets now and we're seeing barley and wheat bouncing off of 400 euros a tonne. So that's an increase of 100% in the cost of feed. And you know, no sector can sustain an increase at that level. And you know, that's where we're at at the moment. You know, we're seeing uh, pig meat across Europe uh, beginning to rise, but you know, it has a long ways to go. For a farmer to break even at the moment, we need uh, the price of pig meat to be in excess of, of at least two euros a kilo. Actually, we'd need to get it up to 240 a kilo to get some kind of uh, margin back for farmers. So that's how serious it is on the ground at the moment. What sort of losses is an individual farmer, an average pig farmer in the country suffering at the moment? Yeah, well, let's say prior to the, the most recent uh, increase in the price of feed, an average pig farmer, five to 600 sow pig farmer, was losing up to 50,000 euros, 50,000 euros per month. You know, that's how serious the situation was. And if you add another 100 euros a tonne onto the cost of, of inputs, obviously you know, that figure completely changes again. And uh, to look at this, we're going to, we're going to need a number of strands to get some kind of a resolution to this uh, absolute massive crisis that we're dealing with now. And you're right, the government has to relook at the situation again. Uh, we are in the process of putting another proposal to government and obviously the funding uh, will be far more substantial than uh, the 7 million. But furthermore, you know, pig farmers understand the, the, the draw that's on the resources of the state at the moment 
and uh, in this proposal John we're willing to look at some type of a loan that the, the government would facilitate a loan to farmers and in the long term that um, there would be uh, a methodology put in place that farmers would pay back that loan and basically what we're looking for now is uh, a lump sum, a realistic lump sum going to individual farmers to ensure that they can buy feed and continue in their business and come up with a strategy long term that that loan would be repaid to government. So that's one strand. But like we have a lot of other actors in the chain. You know, we have retailers, we have primary and secondary processors, and obviously we have our exports, and you know, we have Borbia. You know, so all those actors in the chain have a serious role to play here as well. And you know, I'm sure you're aware we have been running campaigns around the retail area for the last number of months now. And you know, we've been highlighting um, where we are, and you know, we can continue producing pig meat, obviously, at the price we're obtaining at the moment. So I've been very clear on this for quite a while now. The price of, of food, all food, but in this instance we're talking about pig meat here, the price of pig meat has to go up at retail level and uh, that price increase has to be passed down along the chain back to the, proce to the process, who in turn uh, would increase the price paid to farmers. And I'm talking at retail level we need at least 50 cents, probably 75 cents a kilo at this stage, going back from retailers back to processors to get some type of a margin back to farmers. So that's on, on in that area. Obviously, it's important as well that Borbia are looking at export markets, you know, finding new markets. So California is an area that um, are, there is a demand for quality, high-quality pig meat. And, you know, we have the standards here in Ireland, so that's a, a market we need to look at. And you know, Mexico was a market was mentioned, you know, was sorry was opened by the minister over a year ago now. And look, I accept there was issues around COVID and it was very difficult to get out there. But because of the, the fact that the restrictions around COVID are lifted, we need to get out into international markets and find more markets for pig meat as well. So look, there are the areas we need to look at. And I suppose I just want to stress again. Um, it's totally unsustainable what we're doing here now and if those measures are not implemented in the weeks ahead we're going to see a massive exodus, exodus from this sector and you know we've seen in agriculture in the past where uh, the example of the beet industry you know what I mean the beet industry there was a decision taken we would go out of, of producing beet here in Ireland and you know if we exit a sector at all it's almost impossible to revitalise that sector again. So we're at that point here now in, in, in the pig sector and you know, every actor in the chain has to play their part now to ensure the viability of this sector. Moving to another issue now, there seems to be a, a myriad of issues affecting the uh, agricultural sector at the moment, I suppose, given that uh, it's all about food security um, and the, the government um, and its plan for planting for farmers, all types of farmers all over the country, to participate in planting more crops to try and make us sustainable. How feasible is that when you think about the various different sectors that are involved in agriculture, the various different sectors, the various different sizes of farm, the various locations, how feasible is that? Look, we need, we need to look at this in context. Uh, you know, and you know, the, the report over the weekend that uh, coming out from the minister that every farmer is going to have to go grain. And you know, we all know that's, that's impossible now. 
for me. That was something that was introduced dur during World War II back in the 1940s. And you know, agriculture is a complete different uh, system now than it was obviously back in the 40s. You know, farmers have specialised, you know, we have excellent specialised dairy farmers who only concentrate on producing grass and producing milk. You know, we have specialised pig and poultry farmers that you know, hasn't got the access to land anyway. So what we need here is obviously we need a balance and we all acknowledge that you know, we're in crisis mode here now you know, with the war uh, taking place between Russia and Ukraine, a massive uh, loss of grain coming out of there, 30% of the, the, the corn that's used to feed animals across Europe comes out of the Ukraine. And if you couple uh, Russia and the Ukraine together, 30% of the grain for the world comes out of there. So obviously, you know, and world stocks of grain were, were on a balance prior to this uh, incident anyway. So our, we have a serious situation and we have to look at every option here in the country. And I think one area we do need to look at obviously is growing more maize because um, you know, if in particular for the dairy and the beef finisher sectors, you know, if there was a lot of maize available, well then it would take the pressure off of those cohort of farmers using compound feed or you know, using barley or, or wheat. That's one area. You know, we have to also look at um, lower stock farms that they would be encouraged maybe to grow some of those crops, do a contract with a, a beef or a dairy, f a beef finisher or a dairy farmer. So that's an area we can look at. We can also look at, you know, again, the lowly stock farms. If farmers were to harvest more silage now in the upcoming season, you know, I think that would be important as well. But the one thing we need to remember here is, you know, you need fertilizer and you need seeds to be able to do those processes and you know we are very concerned obviously with the availability now of fertilizer and fuel as well you know we're going to need fuel so there's a myriad of issues here now so so we have to ensure the minister has to ensure that there is a supply number one of fuel to farmers if if they're going to plant more crops and obviously we need the fertilizer and you know we've seen already the other area here is the costs. Like we've been highlighting for months now, the extraordinary costs we've seen in the price of fertilizer, the price of energy, the price of fuel. So it's going to take funding to do this as well. I know the mention did, or sorry, the minister did mention that he, he will be looking to Europe for funding. And absolutely, we're in a complete different um, situation here today, an extraordinary circumstance now. So the minister has to go back to Brussels, look for more funding, and uh, it's going to cost money to do this, but if the government are serious about protecting our sector and protecting food security, I think the one thing that's paramount here now is food security, and so that has to be top of the agenda. I suppose finally, Tim, what I will say is you mentioned there, now is the time that policy needs to change. It is now a lot of the rhetoric and the talk and the narrative that comes from government or from from even from sectoral stakeholders is that we will work on things. But it seems that everything is immediate, that the need is there currently. And, you know, what supports need to be given to, for example, immediately for I'll just take, for example, the pig sector, but we also know horticulture is, is struggling at the moment. The forestry sector has still not resolved a lot of its issues. There seems to be a wide array of areas that need addressing at the moment. And fertiliser bills are coming in this week. They're coming in next week. You know, the, the contracting bills will start very soon as well. So how 
can action be taken now? It's a combination, obviously. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're going to, obviously, within certain sectors, within the pig, poultry and the horticulture sectors, clearly we have to get more from the marketplace. So I think, I think that's very straightforward. That's one area. And obviously, in particular with the pig sector, we're going to need more intervention by the government there as well, whether it's by way of, of, of grants or loans or whatever. It's going to take funding now to get farmers out of the situation they're in because what's happening is totally outside of farmers' control. It's because of a war in the Ukraine that the price of grain has absolutely uh, increased 100% fall now since this time last year. So no sector could sustain that. So we're going to need government help there. You know, on the other areas of providing extra feed within the country, there's measures that can be done by government. So if you take example, even with the tillage sector, the tree crop rule, areas like that, that needs to be just uh, dropped for this year and you know, reconsider it next year. There's other areas that need to be reconsidered by the government. And obviously there's a cost here, you're right, the bills are coming in for the fertiliser, the bills are going to be coming in for feed as well. So look, the government is going to have to relook at this. So again, it'll be a combination there of funding and changing uh, parts of the legislation at the temporary at the moment to get the country through this crisis and be able to produce the food. Because if we don't, you know, we could see a food scarcity and it's not the people here in Ireland or in Europe will be short of food. Obviously, it's the people in, in Africa or wherever, and we'll see more famines. And what's that going to do? Tim Cullinan, thank you very much for joining us on FarmNet. I'm joined now by uh, Liam Wolf from Grassland Agro. Thanks very much for joining us today. I suppose you're probably <laughs> one of the most talked about men in the country at the moment, or certainly your, your business is, is talked about, Liam, in terms of fertiliser pricing at the moment. I don't know if anyone envisaged the, the prices, the availability uh, concerns that are circling at the moment. From your own point of view in terms of your supply chain and getting the fertiliser in, what sort of challenges are you experiencing? Well, I suppose, look, uh, last uh, autumn, the price, uh, you know, the, the, the Dutch price for, for gas went from uh, about 15 euros uh, equivalent to uh, uh, about maybe 75 euros, which is about five times uh, the price uh, from, you know, the March, April, this time last year until then. So that was five times an increase. That was a, bit, a lot of excitement and prices of purchasing of material for the new season, which is from September onward for, for 2022. Uh, we were wondering was the price going to stay there or was it going to go backwards or whatever. So, so we were all hesitant and the producers in Europe got surprised and they started saying, guys, we can't afford to trade unless the price of fertilizer increases significantly. So we started buying uh, product eventually in the new season when we got used to the idea, meaning last October for this season, which is 2022, at prices that were three times the same in price that it was prevailing last spring. That was a bit of a shock. At that stage, we were worried, would the price go down in the spring or what would happen and before we would be able to sell the product to the farming community or would we be able to get the price up in the farming community in Ireland uh, to be able to get it acknowledged that the price, the marketplace could handle that kind of a price. And sure enough, uh, as we faced Christmas and we anticipated shortage because there was a lot of reduction in production in Europe, in the EU area, there was a lot of the producers that normally supply us CAN, for example, which is a very big product, um, they stopped producing at least in half their plants 
because they couldn't get enough ammonia at the cost of the new gas. At that stage, we were worried still, but it began, then came to a situation whereby if they didn't build stocks, they wouldn't have enough to cater for the springtime. But of course, uh, what we didn't anticipate was that the worst of all things was to happen yet. The invasion by Russia into the Ukraine has had, um, has had a, you know, I, I would say a, a tenfold uh, increase in the level of vulnerability. And at this point in time, we've had, not only have we ships coming in very slowly of the product that we want to buy, uh, all from all over the world, uh, but now uh, there is a market which is Russia and the Ukraine combined, uh, and Belarus included in, the, in that, where they represent about 40% uh, of the nitrogen of the, of the, of the, the world, about, uh, about at least, sorry, yeah, about 40%, 40 and, and about 40% also of the potash of the world. And then you have also the P2O5, which is phosphate uh, related. They have a, a share of about 30%. Now, it's very hard at the moment if, you're, if your sanctions after coming into place now since the, since the, the whole situation has changed. Uh, now, uh, we can no longer import product from those countries. And, and, uh, and I think Russia also have said today that they're no longer exporting uh, product to, to our side of the world, which obviously is matterless anyway because the sanctions were going to prevent that. So it's, it's impossible to say today with any degree of certainty what the future holds opposite the availability of product. The only thing I would say is that we have had enough of ships in the portfolio, if they did come in in any kind of reasonable order, to be reasonably well able to cope with the market for the next five or six weeks. But we still have a lot of ships that normally would be in by this time of the year that are in, in, in on the seas or are, are, are committed to us from people that are not involved in sanctions. Uh, and if that comes in in any kind of time, we won't do too bad until uh, middle of April or maybe a little bit further than that. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm worried about the timing of that because farmers need to get act active. Um, I am, and I'm then moving on to my worries about May. And just talking about the shipments coming in, Liam, is there a concern currently about availability? So sometimes when things are discussed like fertilizer prices and, and the, the rising cost of them and so on, it can get exacerbated sometimes with a little bit of added extra rumor about availability and it can lead to scaremongering and then some people panic buy. But do you think for the moment the supply is steady enough to ensure that if whoever goes to their local merchant that they should be able to get what they're looking for? If farmers in turn haven't uh, you know, booked their volume. We booked an appropriate level of volume, and they needed to be modest. They need to be modest in the expectation. Um, uh, they are in danger of having to wait in the queue a bit, because, uh, like for us, we we supply the merchants and in turn and the co-ops, and, and in turn they supply the farmers. So if a farmer hasn't his tonnage booked already with the merchant, uh, the same as we, if we don't have volume booked from a merchant to from us. Uh, we can't give them product because we don't have any further discretionary product at the moment. And Liam, over the next couple of weeks and months, obviously we don't know what's going to happen in the world. Everything seems a little uncertain at the moment. What do you feel will be the challenges for the likes of yourselves trying to import uh, fertilizer? Do you think it's going to get worse? Is there anything that can be done to try and protect that supply chain? Well, that is very difficult. I, I like uh, everybody in the Irish industry is trying to think that way. I'm sure at the moment I haven't been in contact with my competitors, but I don't need to because all my customers tell me what my competitors are saying, and uh, and they tell me what the situation is. Uh, but I would say that um, 
the supply chain is good because the name of Ireland and the they've always had never had a payment problem with any any supplier in Ireland paying them for the product, uh, so there's no reputational problem for, uh, for anybody in the in 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 the importers in Ireland, um, and uh, I would say that um, if we do a deal, they will be honoured. Now the thing about it is there is uh, the prices are escalating, uh, are escalating, and um, the likes of. Uh, uh, you know, CAN is likely to be uh, is likely to be two hundred dollars more expensive this week than it was last week. Two hundred euros, sorry, Euro, euros. Two hundred euros. That is exponential increases. Yeah. I mean, can you know? Can c c merchants and and farmers cannot sustain that if that is going to continue? Uh, you no, know, but at the end of the day, if a hundred percent of the demand is to be satisfied, you can't satisfy it with. 60% uh, of the volume available by virtue of the Russian cutting out the Russians. So they are Russian and, and uh, Russian Ukrainian and, and indeed and indeed uh, Belarus, those three. If you cut out those three out of your network, you're definitely going to have a shortage and you will not be able to supply the market in any kind of good order. So the objective is obviously is to get through the high peak demand in Ireland and to work our way through what's needed there. But you know, the one thing I didn't mention in any comments I had is like the level of working capital here. I mean, it, it is just frightening, and I would have to say that um, that we have a very, you know, the, 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 the Irish industry has has a has a very honourable thing because uh, farmers pay merchants and, and co-ops and and co-ops pay us, and there's a good record of doing that. Uh, but like the scale this year of having uh, prices up to four times what they were this time last year means your turnover will be up and your margin is 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 the same. Uh, it's it's it means same as last year you're operating on very wa uh, very narrow wafer thin margins in an industry uh, which has a, an enormous working capital need and um, you know it's going to be you know i know milk prices are good cereal prices are likely to be good uh, beef prices are good uh, and obviously uh, okay there's pig are not doing well and and and, and poultry are not doing well but they wouldn't be big fertilizer activities anyway but they'd be grain connected uh, but I would say that those guys are good, but their prices are good for their future harvest. They're not good for the, 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 the it isn't as if they had it in the bank from last year, but they're, they're likely to be in optimistic zone opposite what price they'll get for their output. But, you know, tis now the money is needed and tis now the cash flow is required. And, you know, we can't tell, we can't tell our suppliers that uh, uh, the cash flow will be coming in later on in the year. They'll be saying, Liam, show me the money and we'll discuss the matter. And in fairness, we're, we're operating on the basis of that because that's the only way to operate in the commercial world. Show me the money. That's it, exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to pay your suppliers no more than the, the co-ops or the merchants have to pay ye. So are, are you finding in the industry, Liam, there's that bit more of a, a request, I suppose, for credit or for... Uh, some sort of leeway. Are you seeing that more now than you would have ever previously before? Well, uh, yeah, well, so look, for sure we are, but it's, well, you know, because the very minute if you have to sell a thousand tons to a person this year, or to a merchant or a co-op this year, versus a thousand tons last year, you're needing four times the money, so th therefore it's, uh, it's, it's obvious that we have to make the decision whether we give them the credit or whether they actually f go and find the money elsewhere. And I'd have to say it's a balance of the two. And I, I'd have to say, in Grassland's case, I am not aware that we have, um, at this point in time, but it won't, it won't go on forever. Uh, at this point in time, we haven't turned anybody away. Yet. We found a solution to the current impasse with each customer, customer by customer, for now. But the difficulty with it is, as you bank up credit, 
you and you buy more material at the same price later, it, it means you 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 then will have a big problem. You'll have to get paid for the first material a lot earlier than you'd normally get paid. So that's th these are challenges in the journey. But look, anything that's workable within the Irish people talking to Irish people with Irish banks and with and with reliable partners along the chain and merchants and and co-ops, uh, they will get solved. Problems at home can get solved. Tis if we don't have material, we won't have grass. We won't have enough of of of, of fertilizer to do to, to grow the crops and do do other things. Uh, that's our biggest challenge now is to get the get the the, the mechani mechanics in place to make sure that the various crops and nutrient requirements of farmers is serviced. And I suppose then, in terms of the uncertainty in the world at the moment, obviously Ukraine Russia has had a major impact on supply chains and on food security. But as you mentioned there, the, the rising price of fertilizer was happening before Russia and Ukraine, um, you know, b became conflicted. So if we were lucky and peace prevailed tomorrow or next week and no longer conflict in Ukraine, would there still be issues though with the price of gas, the price of energy and would the fertilizer prices continue well, to rise? I, I, I do think I didn't realise until last year, like I didn't take much notice of it, uh, until last year, the, since this hiatus of increases in prices in the autumn of last year, how much on a narrow platform of security that uh, Europe, uh, the EU in particular, is in regarding its balance of, uh, we'll say, gas and energy, generally speaking, or the lack of balance uh, and, that, and the dependency on where it's dependent from. But at the same time, um, and I think, you know, in parallel with that, we have a sustainability program, which is obviously critical to achieve climate change, uh, you know, in vogue. And I do think that, that, you know, that all that needs to be just looked at uh, in, in, in a clear focus to make sure that we're not, uh, uh, you know, that we're not doing something that's going to further um, uh, reduce that. I, I, I think that a lot, a lot of the progress can be made in sustainability can be made without necessarily, without necessarily uh, doing any great harm to that imbalance. But I do think food security is um is the biggest vulnerability now that we know all about the gas and we know all about the energy is security food security is the one thing we have to do and that's uh, that's why i probably uh, would understand why the philosophy of maybe looking at everybody growing a bit more but that's presupposing they're not doing a good job in what they're doing already <laughs> because you, in order to grow something else you have to make sure that you're not actually cutting off some other uh, source of food production that you're you're in so I think there's a lot, a lot going on, a lot of challenges, and I, I don't have the solution to many of them or any of them, maybe, but at the same time, I, I, I'll, I'll work my own uh, furrow as best I can. What would be your final advice then to farmers who are struggling at the minute in terms of what they're planning over the next weeks and months in terms of fertiliser? I'd have to say they should, um, you know, uh, just nice and gingerly take, the, take each, each week and month as they go by don't try and capture the volume they need to for too long forward be, because I would have said it for a different reason two months ago why they shouldn't do that. I'm saying now is the more they try and buy forward, the more panic there's going to be in it and somebody is going to be left without product in a bad way and you don't want that. It's our objective that we that everybody has, um, has, has, has enough to keep them going today and this week and next week and then uh, try and, I mean, this month in particular, let, let's take it month by month really, and because uh, we try and manage our months as opposed to manage our weeks, and um, hopefully, if they take it nice and gingerly, uh, hopefully we'll all get through, uh, but it's, um, it's, it's, it's very, very tricky indeed. Imov, thank you for joining us on Farmland today. Thank you, Stephen. Thank, thank you very much indeed.
I'm joined now by President of the Irish Creamery Milk Suppliers Association, Pat McCormack. Pat, we're just talking about the dairy industry currently and the, I suppose, tumultuous time it's going through, no more than every other sector in terms of meeting our climate targets. The Food Vision Dairy Group has now been established. Um, we're in mid-March as we are now and there's a report due by the end of March. This particular group, what's coming from it seems to be that everybody knows the writing is on the wall, that emissions have to be reduced, but how tangible will the results be? What sort of measures do you think could come down the line for the dairy sector? You know, circumstances have changed radically since that group was brought together. I mean, food security has evolved at a rapid pace over the last week or 10 days as a result of circumstances on the periphery of Europe. But certainly, you know, there's a lot of speculation out there about what's going to happen. And obviously emissions, overall emissions have to um, level out and ultimately try and try and reduce them over a period of time. I suppose if anything is to happen, it certainly needs to be number one, it needs to be voluntary. But the most, the most important thing though, is that we get an opportunity for science to deliver. I mean, we've seen the Tagus Met curve and that can have a huge impact. And at the third meeting, when through the, the use of fertilizer, and I mean, we have to, and farmers will have to embrace protected urea over and above can. In particular, grassland farmers, I think it's going to have to be virtually all protected urea. I know there's difficulties with obtaining fertilizer uh, this week, next week, and, and the week after, and indeed for a period of time, given the circumstances in Russia. But we do need to embrace uh, protected urea. We need to embrace all the sciences that are out there. And as a country, we need to be engaged in the sciences that aren't yet established because that's critical. Uh, ruminant, ruminant additives uh, can deliver hugely from a methane perspective. So I'd be confident enough that, you know, over a period of time, uh, the Irish dairy industry is in a sound footing and that that will be proved. And Pat, you mentioned the sciences there. One, for example, is multi-species sward. You would hear from some within the farming community that maybe Chagas are a little behind on this. We should have been looking at multi-species swords more than five years ago to be at the point now where we could actually see the return on, on change into something like that. Yeah, look, multi-species swords will suit some farmers. We were in Johnstown Castle, myself and, and the chairman of the Farm and Rural Affairs Committee, Dennis Drennan, last autumn. And obviously, you know, it has delivered, but there would be certain times of the year where that may, may be limited. Uh, but, but certainly, I suppose, we are behind the curve from where we should be and you know industry has a part to play in that too and the availability going back 12 months two years ago I was meeting farmers at the various different co-op meetings that we were having around the country uh, and they'd be giving out about the availability of uh, protected urias uh, obviously the availability of low emission slurry spreaders is a huge issue if you apply to Thames now you're talking about at least 12 months of a waiting period so that's that's certainly not a good place to be uh, we need to be in a position to have all the tools available to farmers so that we can deliver and continue with the, the level of output we have and indeed increase uh, in the months and years ahead. Because, you know, from a KG and mill solids perspective, we've, we've reduced our emissions by approximately 20% over the last five-year period. And we believe we can continue to deliver on that trend. Obviously, the likes of water quality uh, is a concern. And, you know, the low emissions slurry spreading and the protected urea uh, would uh, tailor that in such a way that we'd see improvements in the in the months and years ahead and you know there's nobody with more of a, a stake in the game than the actual farmer and in particular the dairy farmer at this point in time. And Pat how likely are 
the, the Food Vision Dairy Group, you know, that has been established to see about the future of, of the dairy sector. How likely is it that you will be able to increase when we have to meet these emissions targets? Some savings will be made in terms of emissions by bringing in various measurements, but the idea of increasing production at this point seems very distant. Yeah, the, the idea of increasing production at this point uh, on the back of where the National Herald is, is, is probably going to be a challenge. What we need to do, I suppose, is become more efficient at what we're doing, uh, be in a position to deliver higher quantities of milk solids uh, per, per cow uh, in the months and years ahead, because obviously we're, we're paid on composition of, of fat and protein, uh, and you know that can have a significant impact. Equally, I suppose, we need to bear in mind that the byproduct of the dairy herd needs to be fit for purpose, and I think this is critical, needs to be fit for purpose uh, to the beef herd, uh, because we're very much interlinked, and I suppose there's one criticism I'd have of the dairy group, that it's the dairy industry and not the agricultural sector, uh, because it's sectorial targets that are out there for us. And Pat, let's talk about planting now and planting of crops. How feasible is it to get a dairy farmer who has, we'll say 150 cows um, in the south of the country, to switch over to sowing tillage, or even for that matter, a dairy farmer in the west of the country where the land is not great, it might not be a large parcel of land. How feasible is it to bring in something that could possibly be compulsory? Well, I, I don't believe it can be compulsory at all because if it was to be compulsory, there would be farmers out there who wouldn't be in a position due to land frag fragmentation, soil type, uh, etc., that wouldn't be in a position to, to partake, and we call it partake, uh, in this initiative. Um, you know, there's huge challenges out there to it. Obviously, the availability of knowledge, because I'm a dairy farmer, I've been a dairy farmer for the last 20-something years. I've never grown a crop other than grass. There's a lot of my peers out there in the very, very same scenario. So the availability of knowledge, the availability of, of machinery uh, and infrastructure to, to grow and to spray and to harvest these crops will be a challenge. Uh, but, you know, we, we can't say no outright because we see the issues that are associated with Russia and the Ukraine. But have we the seed? Have we the fertilizer to do it? These are all challenges. And I think that the department have to come on board, make it attractive, make it attractive in, in all aspects. Obviously, you know, for a farmer that will be taken out 10, 12, 15 acres, there's nitrates implications. And I think these, these measures have to be uh, lexed uh, during that period of time so that to facilitate farmers to grow some of their own crop to make it self-sufficient. Do you think, though, that there is a, maybe a short-sightedness here on the department's um, behalf in trying to come up with a solution? Obviously, everybody is trying to ensure food security at the moment. But from the ICMSA point of view, would you have another suggestion or another recommendation? Well, you know, I suppose it's very easy to condemn what's there, but to put something in place that's, that's more meaningful uh, would be a challenge. Uh, obviously, we are vulnerable from the point of view of the fact that we are... Uh, significant importers of grain, <coughs> we're significant importers of fertiliser. Uh, the price of both of those have, have rocketed and any farmer, irrespective of whether they're dairy, beef, sheep, tillage, will tell you that you know when they rang their merchant this year about the price of fertiliser, uh, they had to sit down for a period of time after because it was in some cases up to almost three times what it was 12 months ago. Um, so you know it's not a question in fact in the last week or 10 days it probably moved from the actual cost of the product to the availability of the product, which when that's the conversation you're having, there's very little conversation about the cost. And what are dairy farmers saying to you then in terms of the costs that they're now experiencing? 
Well, I suppose dairy farmers are saying that up to now, it has been a reasonable year climatic-wise. We had a late housing period. There was significant stocks of silage up out there. And they would hope that, you know, over the next three to four weeks, that the weather would be favourable and they could continue to get stock, start to turn out stock and that they'd have a volume of silage left and that that would help them uh, cushion the, the blow for fertiliser spreading uh, over the coming weeks. If they could reduce the area cut for silage, uh, it would have an impact because obviously contractor charges, uh, you know, and in particular what the contractor and indeed the farmer is paying for diesel uh, is hugely important. Uh, so hopefully they would, they would be in a position to use some of the 2021 silage uh, during the coming winter rather than having to make all their silage in 2022. So farmers are certainly being proactive. Some are reducing the, the hangers on, we'll call them, the additional stock uh, off the farm in order to be more efficient in the utilisation of grass for the months ahead. But it's absolutely critical, I suppose, that Farmers embrace and incorporate when fertilizer is hard to get and expensive clover. Uh, that can deliver uh, in the short term from an economic perspective, but in the long term from an environmental perspective. And Pat, is it worth it at the minute for dairy farmers when they're getting the price, what is it, you know, 45, I, I'd say you'd push for 50 cent a litre if you could, but with the price of fertiliser and the price of fuel at the moment, are they even, you know, making that break-even point? For them? Well, you know, it's hugely concerning. I suppose if you were, to if, if you were told two years ago and, um, you know, that you were going to get 45, 50 cents a litre for your milk and it was going to be no good, um, you would be left at. When I became dairy chairman of our association at December 2009, we were at 20, 21 cents a litre. And it's probably fair to say there was more med out of milk in 20, 2010 than there will be in 2022. But look, dairy farming in particular and all farming sectors are a long-term um, investment of time and energy as well as finance. And, you know, hopefully over a period of time we'll, we'll reap the rewards. Um, but certainly the next, the grazing season that's upon us is going to be hugely challenging. Uh, we're fortunate enough that we see beef prices improve as well, uh, but nowhere near where they're required uh, given the level of investment. And finally, Pat, I, I might just ask you about, I suppose, the outlook then for dairy, we'll say, over this year and over next year. How, how, do, how do you view it going? I mean, I know we're in a very um, unstable and uncertain world at the moment. Everything seems to be tumultuous. Food security is being raised as a major question mark at the moment. Um, strategies such as farm to fork um, are being questioned in the EU about whether or not they're guaranteed food security if something like this happens. Where do you see it going, for example, for the likes of new entrants who had been previously considering maybe getting into dairy, but now with what's happening in terms of emissions and, and the uncertainty in the sector? Yeah, look, that, that's hugely challenging. But I suppose the one thing I would say is all sectors need new blood. And given the average age profile of, of farmers right across the sectors is probably in the, the late 50s, uh, we need new blood. There will be an opportunity, there's no point in saying otherwise, we are a food island nation, we're efficient from a climatic and an economic perspective as regards food production. So there is, there is a future, if there isn't a future in Ireland for food production, there isn't a future in Europe. And you mentioned the farm to fork strategy and, you know, there was two rounds of cap reform in my term of, terms of office as well. And, you know, the focus went away from food security to environmental uh, measures. I think the last 10 days to two weeks uh, has been an eye opener in particular, I suppose, from an energy perspective uh, and from a European point of view, having self-sufficiency from an energy point of view. But as we move forward, I think, you know, they need to reflect upon the fact that there's 1.5 million people after crossing the border 
with very, very little food at this point in time and the remaining population in the Ukraine with possibly less food. Uh, you know, so food security is going to be a huge issue. Pat, thanks very much for joining us in Farmland today. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Farmland. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned to Agriland for the latest in agricultural news.